Allie Bonner, and welcome to QueenCast, the show where we interview badass queens about body image, business, and beyond. Hello, hello. Welcome back to QueenCast. So before you tune into this episode, make sure you listen to the last episode where I talk about my relationship with food and my body. I just think it gives a lot of clarity and contrast to what things were like for me before I chose recovery. And a quick disclaimer, I'm not a healthcare professional. Everything that I'm sharing is just what worked for me. So take whatever serves you and leave what doesn't. All right, let's get into it, shall we? Okay, I just want to admit that This was hard as hell. It was so hard to take everything that I've learned over all of the years of recovery and working on myself and boiling it down into three helpful tips, but I'm pretty sure I did a damn good job, so let me know. All right, number one, three major things that helped me heal my relationship with food. Number one is telling someone. This doesn't have to be a therapist. It doesn't have to be an eating disorder specialist. It can be your best friend. It can be a significant other. It can be a parent. It can be your dog. Just as long as you stop holding it inside and stop creating this mental prison for yourself where you're just, you're carrying your entire burden of your body image issues alone. It's so shitty and it's not fair to yourself. But I feel you. I mean, I went for years, mostly my entire young adult life, where I really did just carry that burden alone. And I was terrified of people finding out because, as I mentioned in my last episode, you know, I looked healthy on the outside. I appeared to be someone who was athletic and happy and had friends. And, you know, it was just very out of character for me to struggle with something like this. And so I was really scared. I didn't want to tell anyone. And, You know, I kind of went the unorthodox route of telling my Instagram followers first, which seems really bizarre and super millennial, but it was what worked for me because, you know, I was scared. I was scared to tell my mom face to face. I was scared to tell Eric even and my best friends. Um, And so it felt easier to share to my Instagram audience, which was this, you know, black abyss (laughs) that was just talking to my phone. And eventually, obviously, my parents and my friends found out and and they came to me and they were like, what's going on? You want to fill us in a little bit? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I should talk to them about it now. But bottom line is that everyone has their own journey and it doesn't matter who you talk to as long as you share. And I think it doesn't have to be your whole story right off the bat. You know, the first time I shared with Eric... I told him in really small increments, and I'm sure, you know, he's a great guy. I'm sure he knew already and could tell I had some sort of issue with food. I was just waiting for me to come to him. But yeah, I mean, the first time I told him, I think we were drunk, you know, I mean, like classic college relationship we met in college. Um, I think we were drunk and I was like, I think I have some issues with food. And that was like, that's all I left it at the first time we talked. And he was just there to listen, you know, and he was like, okay, yeah, mm mm-hmm. And that's all I needed. I really just needed someone to listen and not judge me because I think, you know, we're afraid of others judging us and we're afraid of others, you know, we're afraid of what others will think about us. But something that really helped me was actually to reverse, reverse the roles and think if, you know, your mom or your best friend came to you and said, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling with food and my body and I just need you to listen and I just need you to be there for me and just hold space for me and love me. I mean, 
you wouldn't think they were weird, right? You wouldn't think that there was something wrong with them or broken or they were fucked up. You would have nothing but love for them and you would be so proud of them for coming to you and trusting you with this vulnerable information. So I think we're really hard on ourselves and we don't think that the other people who we're telling and who we're entrusting with this sacred piece of information, we don't think that they're going to act that way back, which is just, you know, dumb (laughs) to be honest. So I think it's really important. Second tip why telling someone really helps with recovery as well is it helps you stay accountable and it helps prevent you from relapsing. So it's almost like an accountability buddy. I don't know if you guys ever read um, that book, Miracle Morning, but you know it's really true. Having someone in your recovery journey and having your your confidant of someone you can go to when you're struggling, or someone who you know you're having a hard day and you're really beating yourself up about your body and food, and you just need someone to talk to. That is so key, and it doesn't have to be one person, right? Like, I think it is kind of tough to have just one person in your life because it's a big burden for them to bear too. So I would say, I would recommend having, you know, a best friend, maybe a significant other. If you're single, obviously that's fine. Have two friends. Um, and then maybe a parent. I don't know if you're close to your parents, but I know having different perspectives really helped me as well. Third thing, if you can afford it, professional help is huge. Um, so I actually saw, My friend Molly, she's my friend now and she'll be on the podcast, but um, I believe she was a nutritional therapist um, and she just helped me so, so much with, you know, she knows what the right questions are. She knows how to dig deep. She knows how to get past the superficial layers of just using food as a buffer, right? And so, because the issue is never, it's never about the food. It's always a control thing or a self-worth thing. And so... Yeah, I just think if you can afford it, working with a professional is super great. Um, And there's also sliding scale therapists. So you can look at, I'll leave some uh, resources in the show notes, but I believe uh, NEDA.org, which is the National Eating Disorder Association, has some really good resources on their site. Okay, number two, stop restricting. So this is also what you probably don't want to hear if you're deep in your disorder right now, because restricting is probably your best friend. And it was for me for so many years, but it also knifes you super hard in the back because it's like that best friend where she likes you when it's convenient for her, but she also doesn't have a problem with throwing you under the bus. That's restricting and it's fucked. So not restricting. What does this look like? Allowing myself to eat all of the things and allergies aside, of course, but I went through this honeymoon phase where I allowed myself food. I normally wouldn't. That looks like ice cream. That looks like croissants, croissants. That looks like mac and cheese. That looks like a big juicy burger with lots of, lots of mayo. (laughs) I don't know, but it looks like things that I would be terrified of. And what happened? I overate. I'll admit it. I went into this honeymoon phase where I wasn't allowed to have these things and all of a sudden I was and hell yeah I went to town on them I dove headfirst into that ice cream I ate half the jar of peanut butter I demolished the the bag of Pringles like Pringles don't come in a bag you know what I mean anyways I overdid it bottom line and what happened these foods lost their appeal I slowly started craving a vegetable here and there I wanted balance And most importantly, I didn't feel out of control around my trigger foods. 
So quick side note, I know this honeymoon phase of eating all the things, potentially gaining weight is terrifying for so many of you. And it is. It's it's scary to have this tight ass grip on food for so many years and suddenly you're just breaking it free and saying, all right, bring it on bitches. Give me all of the things all of the time. But I assure you that it's temporary. You're not Our bodies are so, so smart. You're not going to want ice cream eight times a day for the rest of your life, I assure you. And if you do, maybe check in with your doctor because there may be something going on. (laughs) But um, no, but seriously, I mean, you're going to start to crave balance and you're going to start to crave some veggies and some savory foods and your body is going to level out, I promise you. Another reason why allowing yourself to eat all the things is beneficial is it helps with this idea of food morality. So... This is good foods versus bad foods. And if you're not familiar, I'll tell you a little story which may help you understand. I, When I was in college, I used to really tie my self-worth and my morality to what foods I was eating in a day. And as crazy as that sounds, it's very, very common. So say, you know, my whole day I would go through and I would have foods that I considered good. So it's salads, you know, veggie-based soups, um, lean chicken and veggies. Like it was just kind of classic diety foods that I felt like if I ate those foods, I was being good. And if I had a cookie, if I had a burrito, if I had, I'm thinking of just amazing, delicious foods now. Um, you know, if I had a burger, I thought that that was being bad. And I considered, I attached my self-worth to that. So I felt like, Ugh, like I'm a failure. I'm being bad. I fell off the wagon. And you notice it a lot with friends too, especially girlfriends. At least I do. You know, I'll be out to dinner and one of them will say, Ooh, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling kind of naughty tonight. Or like, I'm feeling kind of bad tonight. I'm going to order the nachos or let's get a dessert. I'm feeling bad. And it's, it's very ingrained in us, but realizing that food is just food. There's more nutritious food. Of course, there's less nutritious food. You know, you take broccoli and you take Pringles. I don't know what it what it is with me and this Pringle example. Clearly, I'm craving Pringles. But, you know, obviously the broccoli has more nutrients and the Pringles have less. But choosing a more nutritious food doesn't make you a more virtuous person. I'm going to repeat that. Choosing the broccoli over the Pringles doesn't make you a better bitch. I promise you. Okay, number three. Prioritizing recovery over being skinny. So for so long, I wanted recovery, right? I wanted my mental headspace back. I wanted to just be normal around food, but I was only 50% committed. And why? Because I was terrified of weight gain. I know this is a common problem because I get so, I get flooded by you guys in the DMs of, you know, God, I really want to stop binging. I want to stop binging. How do I stop overeating? How do I stop emotional eating? And no one is asking, how do I stop restricting? And I understand I'm with you for so long. I wanted to stop binging, but you know, I was fine if I still restricted because that meant I would still be skinny, right? I wanted recovery, but I also wanted to be thin as fuck. And you can't have both, at least not at the same time. And remember that wanting something and being committed to something are two completely different things. Sure. I wanted recovery, but I wasn't committed to it. Wanting is passive and commitment is active. And I wasn't actively committing to recovery. I was still restricting. I was still eating salads at every meal. I was still watching my carbs. I was still not eating a ton if I was going to go drinking. You know, all of these all of these little rules that I had around myself. I was still not eating after 8 p.m. or whatever the fuck I told myself was I shouldn't do. 
you need to want recovery so bad that no matter if you gain five pounds or 500 pounds, you'll be okay with that. And for years, I wasn't. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you. It wasn't until I reached my breaking point that I was, which just shows, I mean, this is a whole nother topic, but it just shows how fat phobic our society is and how fat phobic I was. I was terrified of gaining weight, right? Like it prevented me for so long of being a hundred percent committed to recovery, but you need to trust your body that it's going to do what it needs to do to heal and recover. So maybe you'll gain a little bit of weight. It's okay. Your mental headspace and, and the life that comes with recovery is so, so worth it. I promise you. Last tip. Focus on hobbies outside of food. So, I mean, God, I realized I was just the most boring human alive. I if I remember I had a job interview one time and they asked me, so, you know, what are some of your hobbies? And I froze because literally my hobbies were counting calories, <laughs> weighing myself excessively and shitting on myself in the mirror. And I couldn't tell them that, right? Like, so I just, I struggled to, you know, make up some bullshit like, oh, I like hiking and, you know, cooking and boring ass shit. Now I focus on growing my business, cultivating my relationship with Eric, being present with my family. I started playing the ukulele again, just, you know, things that are interesting, things that make you multidimensional as a human and just a fascinating person. And this doesn't mean that you can't love food, that you can't love cooking, that you can't love going out to eat. It just means that food shouldn't be the center stage of your life. It should be a supporting role. And shifting your focus from food and your body and how much you're eating to what am I doing for others? How am I cultivating the relationships in my life? How am I growing personally and professionally? These are some of the things that I started to think about and I started to shift my mindset towards and I just found it super helpful in recovery. So to sum things up, the three major things that helped me heal my relationship with food, telling someone, number one, number two, stop restricting. And number three, prioritizing recovery over being skinny. And I'm just going to close out by saying recovery is goddamn worth it. It's so worth the headspace and the ruminating and the obsession with calories and grams and your body. And ugh, it's just, it bores me just talking about it. You know, honestly, (laughs) The headspace and the freedom you get in recovery is priceless. I don't care if I gain a thousand pounds. I I would trade that for, for this beautiful life that I now live. So imagine what you could do if you redirected all of the energy you spend shit-talking your body to more important things. I mean, I couldn't have started queen if I still felt the way that I did. Honestly, I wouldn't have enough mental energy and mental headspace to dedicate towards starting and growing a company. So now I have a question for you. What would you do with that headspace? Could you start a business? Could you improve your existing relationships? Could you get creative with new hobbies? Could you start a new career? I mean, you guys, the possibilities are fucking endless. It's incredible what you could do if you just shift your focus away from negative self-talk and body image and losing weight and calories to this place of what am I capable of? I mean, that's a really powerful question, right? What am I capable of? So I'm going to leave you guys with that. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, I am 
So incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. And my DMs are always open if you have feedback or questions. I know this was a lot of information in a small amount of time. So feel free to replay the episode, take notes. Um, and again, I am not perfect. I'm still on my journey. I am nowhere near, you know, I've, I haven't made it. Um, I'm still learning with you guys. So I am right there with you. All right, you guys have a beautiful week as always. If you need anything, you know where to find me and I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.